Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Feast of the Trumpets as we pick up in Psalm chapter 81, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Let's turn to Psalm 81. On the first day of the seventh month in the Jewish calendar, which, because their calendar begins, the religious calendar begins the first of April, it usually coincides somewhere around the first of October. October on our calendar. There is a blowing of the trumpets. It's called the Feast of the Trumpets to announce the most holy month of the year, the seventh month. And so the first day of the seventh month, the Feast of Trumpets, the blowing of the trumpets to inaugurate this holy month, followed then by Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which is then followed by the Feast of Sukkoth, or Tabernacles. And so, this Feast of the Trumpets, the Holy Day, the sounding of the trumpets for the Holy Month, gathering the people in a holy convocation before God. Psalm 81 is the psalm that was read for the Feast of Trumpets. And so the beginning of the psalm is sort of a proclamation for this day that has arrived. Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel and the pleasant harp with a psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon and in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. For this was the statute for Israel and the law of God for Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah. And so the first section of the psalm is concluded with this Selah. They just stop and think about that. So it is a call to the holy convocation of singing unto the Lord with a psalm, the timbrel, the harp, the blowing of the trumpets, for God has established this as a statute in the law of Moses for the people. God declares in verse 7, You called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah. Or I was testing thee at the waters of Meribah. So God recounts for them some of their wilderness experiences how that there in the wilderness they cried unto the Lord because of their thirst, and how that God answered them and proved them, tested them there at the waters of Mirabah, which mean waters of strife, 
because the people did strive with God and with Moses. Now God himself cries unto the people, and he declares, Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. So God is now calling for his people to listen to what he has to say. First of all, there shall be no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. God has declared in the law, the first commandment, that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, we usually think that that sets out a priority, God first and then all of my little gods afterwards. But no other gods before me that is in my presence, not, not having any other gods around me. In other words, our heart is be, to be totally towards him and, and our worship given completely to him. There shall be no strange God it is sad and tragic that the people did not hearken to God and that their history was one of continual idolatry. From the time that they came into the land, they began to turn and to worship the gods of the Canaanites, Bel, Molech, Mammon, Ashtoreth, and all of the gods and goddesses of the land. And, and they began to follow the practices of the people that dwelt in the land before them that God had driven out. And so the commandment of God, there shall be no strange God in thee, neither shalt thou worship, and yet they would not hearken. I am Jehovah thy God which brought thee out of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. God is declaring now the things that he desires to do for his people. And of course, he is addressing himself to, oh, my people. So he's declaring those things that he desires to do for his people. I am certain that we limit that which God would do in our lives so many times. We are told in Jude, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now by that is meant, keep yourself in the place where God can demonstrate his love that he has for you. If you say, well, I've got to keep myself in the love of God, thinking I've got to keep myself real sweet and kind and generous and nice so that God can't help but love me, you've got the wrong concept of God's love. God loves you good or bad. God's love for you is uncaused by you. God's love for you is because of his nature of love. In reality, I cannot do anything to make God love me more. In the same token, I cannot do anything that would make God love me less. God loves me. But it is possible for me to remove myself outside of that love of God. 
to put myself in the position where God really can't demonstrate that love that he has for me. And that's what Jude is telling us. And God is saying here the things that he desired to do for the people. Just open your mouth wide. I'll fill it. I'll fill your life. Just open yourself completely to me, and I will fill your life. But, he said, my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would have nothing to do with me. Those that God had chosen as his people just had nothing to do with God. They were worshiping these other little gods. So, he said, I gave them up to their own heart's lust. In Romans, the first chapter, we read also, wherefore God also gave them up. And it's always a tragic thing when God says of a man, I've given up. Wherefore I gave him up. God said to Jeremiah, he said, look, don't pray anymore for their good because if you do, I'm not going to listen to you. God said, Ephraim is joined to her idols. Let her alone. They, they join themselves to idols. Just forget it. Where God says, I, I'm giving them up. I'm no longer going to deal with them. And of course, we are told that God's spirit will not always strive with a man. And when God gives a man up, it's always a very tragic thing. God gave them up to their own heart's lust. You think that you want it so bad. You think that that's going to be the answer of your life, and you do everything you can to achieve or to attain, and sometimes God just gives you up to go ahead and says, all right, if you want to eat it, eat it, you know. But it's going to make you sick. And he gives you up to your own heart's lust, but that can be one of the most tragic things that ever happened for you to get your own heart's desire. Because many times we desire things that aren't really beneficial for us. God knows that they're not good for us. And when God gives us up to our own heart's desires, many times we find that the most bitter experience of our lives. They walked, he said, in their own counsels. They wouldn't have anything to do with me. They wouldn't follow me. Oh, God said that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. Now God is lamenting over the, over the people that would not walk in his way. Oh, if they would only have listened. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries if they'd only have listened to me. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, and their time would have endured forever. They would have remained in the land. They wouldn't have gone into captivity. I would have subdued their enemies, and I would have fed them with the finest of wheat, with honey out of the rock. I would have satisfied them. But they would not hearken to God, and that's the cry of God, because they would not hearken to him. Instead of knowing God's best, Instead of experiencing the fullness of the demonstration of God's love, because they would not hearken unto God, they went into captivity, and, and then they were destroyed by their enemies. When we get over to Israel for the hearty ones, I'm planning to take a hike from Gihon Springs 
on up to the dung gate because a lot of new archaeological excavations have been going on and some of the most exciting archaeological discoveries around the uh, city of Jerusalem have been made on this hillside as they have uncovered areas that date back to David's time, areas that date back actually to the uh, Canaanite period when the Jebusites had the city. But the interesting thing is they have gone back in the various times of, of the history of Israel. They have uncovered many houses that were torn down by Nebuchadnezzar's army when he besieged Israel at the rebellion of Zedekiah. And in the debris of the houses of the people, they have found multitudes of little gods that the people had carved out. Ashtart, the goddess of fertility with her exaggerated breast, and all of these little idols that they've been covered in all of, it seems in all of the houses, they were just full of these little idols. The very thing that the scripture cried out against, the very thing that God was crying out against here, don't serve strange gods. Hearken unto me. Oh, if they would only have hearkened unto me, then I would have kept them in the land. I would have preserved them. I would have subdued their enemies, but they would not have anything to do with me. And so God was weeping because the people were going to go into captivity. God was weeping because of all of the hardship that they were bringing upon themselves because they would not walk in the ways of the Lord. And I'm certain that as God looks at us and he sees us as we so often follow our own self-willed path and God can see where that path is leading, that God just weeps as we refuse to listen as we stubbornly say, but I want this, and I'm pursuing the desire of my own heart. It's a tragic thing when God gives me over to my own lust, my own heart's lust, and he just has to stand there and weep as I go into captivity, as I, as I am bringing all of the sorrow and hurt upon myself because I won't hearken to him, because I won't listen to him, because I don't want anything to do with his law. And so God's lament, it's a very beautiful psalm as we see God really just his heart broken over the failure of the people, over the worshiping of these little gods and how actually even in this last year God has allowed evidence to be uncovered that just so vitally proves this psalm and makes the whole thing so real as they've uncovered the houses that were destroyed by the Babylonians and found all of these strange gods, and we understand how the people had turned from him. As David said, you know, they've taken and they've carved gods out of stone. Eyes they have, but they cannot see. Ears they have, but they cannot hear. And David talked about the things that people were doing even in his time, and the folly of them. So... We hope to look at these ruins when we're over there this time.
Psalm 82 is a psalm that is directed to judges. And it is a very solemn psalm that God directs to judges. And basically, God declares that he is not happy or satisfied with men's judgment. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty, and he judges among the gods. Now, the word gods there is the same word, Elohim, translated gods, but it is also translated judges. In Exodus chapter 22, verses 8 and 9, as God is giving instructions in the law for how the judges are to determine certain cases, and God calls the judges gods because a judge has such authority over a person's destiny and because he holds the power of a person's life and destiny, God called judges gods. So God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the judges or God will be judging the judges. I'm glad for that. I'll be glad to see a few of the judges judged. Not that I have ever gotten a bad deal from a judge. Fortunately, I haven't had to face them, but I do not believe that justice has prevailed always in our courts. I think that our judicial system is at times a disgrace. Now, God judging among the judges said, how long will you judge unjustly and you accept the persons of the wicked? In other words, he's a famous person, he's a wealthy person, or he's a powerful person, he's a mafioso. So they, they judge unjustly because they accept the persons of the wicked. To be true in judgment, you'd have to look at every man alike, rich and poor. You couldn't have any respect to a person's past or anything else. You'd have to be judging simply on, on the basis of the charges that are brought against him as he stands there, just like he was anybody. But yet, judges were judging unjustly because they were accepting the person's... God said to the judges, hey... Defend the poor and the fatherless. One of the problems with our just judicial system today is, is the fact that money really is the thing that counts, it seems. If you're poor, then you can't afford a good attorney and, uh, you know, you can't afford to put up a good defense. But if you're rich, then, you know, you can afford to put all kinds of delays and appeals and, and on and on and on. And, and, and justice doesn't prevail on an equal basis throughout our whole society. And that isn't true justice. And God is saying to the judges, now look, don't accept a person just because he's wealthy. You take care of the poor. You take care of the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted 
and to the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness, and all of the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said that ye are judges, or ye are gods, and all of you are the children of the Most High. So this is, of course, I have said ye are gods. This is a direct reference to Exodus uh, chapter 22, where God does refer to them as Elohim, which is translated, as I said, judges, but it is the Hebrew Elohim gods. Now, Jesus quoted this in the Gospel of John when the Pharisees were getting ready to stone him. He said, I've done a lot of good things among you. For which of these things are you going to stone me? And they said, not for the good things, but we're stoning you because you being a man are continually making yourself the son of God. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 81 through 82 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. May you be increased in knowledge and understanding of His Word and of His will and of His purposes for your life. May your life be enriched in all things in Christ Jesus. And may the Lord and the blessings of the Lord be upon you until we are brought back together again to continue our fellowship and our growing together in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a flash drive of audio Bible studies by Kay Smith titled, A Collection of Cherished Messages. Just listen to what others are saying. Kay Smith changed my life. Her teachings encouraged me to want more of Jesus. And through her counsel and mentoring, I fell in love with Him in a deeper way. When I first heard Kay, I was driving in my car. I was so moved that it brought me to tears because I needed to repent. That moment impacted my life to be a better mom and who
who I am today. Renew your strength, please. I beg, I beseech, I entreat. And if there's any other word, I do that too. Get in his word. Make it more than your necessary food every day. Kay Smith has a special place in her heart to teach and encourage women to live for Jesus. To order this flash drive with over 90 audio messages by Kay Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.